Hey, hello there. Welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I'm still a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and you can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. This podcast is being recorded for Easter Sunday, April 9th, 2023. Christ is risen, we declare every Easter morning. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So we're going to start by reading the Easter story from the Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning at the first verse. We're just going to take a look and say, what happened on Easter Sunday? What does it mean for us today? My big idea is that Easter Sunday vindicates Jesus. The empty tomb shows that he really is who he says he is. And that Easter Sunday also underscores the good news that it's all about God's grace and always has been. And that nothing, not even death, can prevent God from accomplishing God's purpose, good purpose for you and for all of creation. So let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, beginning at the first verse, and we read the gospel. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. It was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Jesus suddenly met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The gist of the Easter story up to this point. Jesus of Nazareth is arrested on a Thursday night, sentenced to death early Friday morning, crucified at noon that same day. By mid-afternoon, he dies. Jewish custom forbids burial on the Sabbath, which would begin at 6 o'clock that night, so he's quickly buried in a borrowed tomb before nightfall. Back in Matthew chapter 27, we, we learn that the Jewish religious leaders are worried that the disciples of Jesus might sneak in and steal the body, then tell people that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And so they convince Rome to assign a security detail to guard the tomb. They also have Rome post an official government no trespassing sign at the entrance of the tomb. 
Ironically, it turns out the Jewish leaders had nothing to fear from those disciples. They had all run away on that Friday, probably hiding back in Bethany with Lazarus and his sisters. And they were Jewish after all, and Saturday was the Sabbath. For them, even making plans to do anything is a violation of Sabbath observance. No, it wasn't until early Sunday morning at the break of dawn that two of the disciples, both, both happened to be named Mary, two of the disciples get up the courage to even visit the tomb. So they go out there to take a look. They show up just around dawn and just in time to experience an earthquake, a flash of lightning. An angel appears and scares the guards to death. The angel ignores the no no trespassing sign, pushes the stone away from the entrance. Don't be afraid, the angel says to the two disciples. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. See for yourself, then go and tell the other disciples to get ready to meet up with him back in Galilee. The women do just as they're told, and then as they're leaving town, just as a bonus, Jesus himself shows up and appears to them on the way. They worship him. And he tells them the same thing. Don't be afraid. Tell the brothers to get ready. They're going to see me, just like you have. The Bible tells the Easter story a little different in each of the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so there's, there's nuances, there's differences. I mean, exactly how many disciples are there at the scene that morning? Was it before dawn or at dawn or after dawn? Were those heavenly angels... Or were they brightly clothed messengers? Had the stone already been rolled away, or did they witness the event personally? And was or was not Jesus dressed up like a gardener? (laughs) The Bible doesn't seem too concerned about those small conflicting details of the Easter story. There's no effort to corroborate the story, make it all line up perfectly. So maybe the details are less important than making sure that the basic story gets told, that Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. Because there was another account making rounds at the time. The rumor was going around that the guards had fallen asleep and that the disciples had managed to pull off the heist of the century, stealing the body of Jesus in the dead of night. No, it wasn't a great look for the guards, but Matthew says that they were paid off. And then he concludes, this story has been widely circulated to this very day, Matthew 28, verse 15. And over the centuries, there have been lots of other stories widely circulated to counter the original Easter story. Theories that Jesus didn't really die, he just looked like he died. Or that uh, while Jesus, the person, died, Jesus, the the Godson, (laughs) didn't. Or that the Spirit of God left Jesus of Nazareth just before he took his last breath. And, or then the claim that Jesus never rose from the dead at all, that the disciples had in fact stolen the body. Or even that the resurrection, oh, that's a spiritual idea. It's a metaphor for how God can now live in our hearts forever. The problem with all of these is that they contradict the consistent biblical witness that Jesus suffered, was crucified, died, and was buried, and on the third day rose again. This is the heart of Easter. So the Bible spends less time trying to prove what really happened and more time simply telling us what Easter Sunday means. In Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 28 through 39, is one such place. Let's read the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. 
He writes this. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So what then shall we say in response to these things? After all, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised from the life, raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we suffer, de- we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul writes, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here ends the reading. What does Easter Sunday mean? Easter confirms the sovereignty of the grace of God. Not even death can separate us from the love of God, Paul declares in Romans 8. God is not subject to the law. God doesn't have to play by certain rules. God is not limited by some higher truth or natural order. There's no cosmic karma or dualism. God's will will be done. God's purposes will be accomplished. And nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love. This is what Paul is talking about when he uses the language of being predestined or elected. We kind of freak out about that, but what he's just saying is that it's grace all along. That God has already done for us what we could not do for ourselves. It is finished. It's completed. We are justified. We have salvation. We have peace with God, even life everlasting. Not because of anything we accomplish, but through the gift of God. It's all about grace. It was never about what we could do for God, fancy temples or animal sacrifices or virtuous living. It was never about geography or gender or genetics. No, if God is for us, and the risen Jesus is proof of that, then who can be against us? And the answer is no one, no thing, no how. Life is still hard. Paul admits that as well. Uh, He says, we face death all day long. And it's true, we still face mortality, injustice, suffering, grief, and loss. There is so much we don't understand and so much we understand all too well but can't seem to do anything about. So God sends messengers, angels, men dressed in white, Maybe a rainbow in the sky, a Guatemalan neighbor, a 12-step sponsor, a post on Facebook. Anything to shake the world, to roll away the stone, and to remind us not to be afraid. God is with us. 
Who can separate us from the love of God? No, God's grace is sufficient and sovereign. And Jesus himself is vindicated. The resurrection validates and proves that Jesus' mission, his ministry, and message were true. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. Christ Jesus, who died and was raised to life, who now sits at the right hand of God, says Paul, which is another way of saying that Jesus carries the same authority as the Father who raised him. That's what it means to sit at the right hand. That Jesus carries the same authority. Uh, The Father's right-hand man, we might say today. Easter, in this sense, reveals that Jesus is true God, Son of the Father, and truly human, one who was born, lived, and died right here on planet Earth. And if Jesus is who Jesus says he is, then we can also trust what Jesus says, that Jesus really is the way and the truth and the life. Easter shows us that Jesus truly is all we need to know about what God is like and all we need to know about what, how to be human. Therefore, Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God is sovereign. Jesus is who Jesus says he is. And Jesus loved us enough to die for us. And even then, death wasn't strong enough to hold him. No, God is for us, Paul insists. Therefore, we live and die and everything in between, held in the faithfulness and the love of God. Let me leave you with three takeaways for today. The first is the Easter gospel. Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. May the gospel, may the good news of the risen Christ Jesus fill you with faith and hope today. If things are going pretty well for you right now, give thanks to God. And if you're going through a a tough stretch right now, well, give thanks to God as well because know that you are not alone, that you are held in God's love and faithfulness. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. The risen Christ is cheering for you. Remember, remember. Your circumstances don't define you. Your feelings don't define you. Your identity in Christ is all that defines you. God is faithful, and the faithfulness of God is the only thing that matters. The second takeaway that the Easter story tells us that Jesus... Let me put it this way. The Easter story tells us that Jesus isn't, well, here... That is to say, we gather on Easter Sunday morning to worship the risen Jesus, and that's a good thing. But like the very first Easter, the angel tells us that Jesus isn't here at the empty tomb, that Jesus has gone out ahead of us, out there into the world. Theologian Alan Roxburgh puts it this way. He says that Jesus is loose in the neighborhood. If you think about it, the Gospel of Matthew begins with the wise men, the, the three magi who go out looking for Jesus, they, go, they, they travel across the world to find Jesus, to worship him, and to offer their gifts. In this sense, the Gospel of Matthew ends with the same sort of a picture. This time it's the disciples going out from the tomb to find Jesus, to worship him, and to offer their gifts. See, it's out there. It's out there where we truly see the face of Jesus. We see the face of Jesus in every person we meet. 
Out there is where we participate in the mission of the risen Christ. Out there is when, where we walk in Jesus' step. We grow in his likeness. We take up our crosses. We learn compassion. We learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. We die to sin and we rise to newness of life. Jesus is out there. And so, brothers and sisters, we are also are called to go out there every Easter Sunday. And third, we are called to tell the story of Easter Sunday. The angel told them, the the women, and Jesus tells them, go and tell the brothers that they also will see me. Go and tell the story. Tell the story, my friends. Tell it to your children and to your grandchildren. Because if you don't, who will? If someone hadn't told you the story, how would you have known? You know, for a long time, we kind of left it to pastors and Sunday school teachers and camp counselors to tell the story. We thought that if we brought our kids to church, then then the church would tell them the story. Well, maybe that worked for a while, but the reality is that these days, our kids aren't coming to church. Our grandkids don't hear the story. That means that the church needs to go to them. The church needs to bring them the story. And you are the church. You might be the only Bible your kids, your grandkids, will ever read. So if you don't tell them the Easter story, who will? And the Easter story is this, that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that means that Jesus is who he says he is. And that means that nothing Neither trouble, nor hardship, nor life, nor death, nor anything else in all creation can stop God from loving you. This is the good news. Thanks be to God. And I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this podcast series is helping you fall more deeply in love with the God who created you, who loves you, and has a purpose for your life. To learn more about faith, you can go to that website, faithshelton.org. Please like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for the newsletter. You can subscribe to this podcast and listen to it on most podcast platforms, including Google and Apple and Spotify. I'm grateful to Chaz for his production week on this podcast every week. And all glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.